operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. All right, welcome back to the Combo Revolution Podcast. As always, I'm Rock, by my side, my partner in crime, Steven. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. All right, my friend, we have a whole bunch of comments to review this podcast. Mm-hmm. As always, people can check out comicbookrevolution.com to check out what Kevin is posting. I'm sure he's posted a few reviews as we've been podcasting, Probably. as he is wont <laughs> to do. There's plenty to read, trust me, plenty to read. Oh, yeah. Uh, Steven, where can everyone follow you? Um, they can find me on Twitter at President Glover. Excellent, my friend. You can find me on Twitter at Rock Revolution. Two Ks. That's right. <laughs> and you can check us now on Instagram, my friend, at the Comic Book Revolution on Instagram. And me too as well, at Rock Revolution on Instagram. There you mm-hmm. go. Do you like Instagram, Steven? I I'm do addicted like Instagram. to it. I, I, it's my favorite. I like it more than Twitter. I do. Really? I like it I way mean, more than Twitter. It's a lot calmer. It is. Yeah. It is. And my feed is an endless endless number of pictures of cars and uh, Disney World. It's my happy place. It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. In this podcast, we have, from DC, The Batman Who Laughs, number two. Mm-hmm. We have Superman, number seven. Mm-hmm. And Titans, number 33. Oh. From The House of the Mouse, mm-hmm. we have a bunch of number one issues. Black Widow, number one. Mm-hmm. Invaders, number one. Yes. And then the return of Wolverine number four. Yes. Let's start this off, my friend, with number one issues, because I can't resist. All Let's right. go with Black Widow number one, shall mm-hmm. we? All and right. Interestingly enough, Stephen, this comic is brought to us by two writers I have never heard of in my entire life, Jen sure. and Sylvia Soska. Okay. So off to the interwebs we go to find out exactly who they are, <laughs> right? I like to know who yes. they are when I'm reading a, a new title. Mm-hmm. Jen and Sylvia Soska are twins and they their credits include being the director and writers Mm -hmm. for dead hooker in a trunk uh, (laughs) american mary abc's of death 2 see no evil 2 heard that one too and uh they directed but did not write vendetta I've not seen that one. Um, and in uh, there you go. So that's that's uh, a lot of horror. ABC I, yeah, ABCs of Death is a horror yeah. anthology. Yep. And and as you learned that the the Soska sisters are fans of Grindhouse Cinema mm-hmm. and are influenced by directors Robert Rodriguez, Mary Heron, David Cronenberg, mm-hmm. Wes Craven, mm-hmm. and Eli Roth. Okay, maybe I'll mention that one. <laughs> yeah. And they cite Alfred Hitchcock mm-hmm. as an influence as well. Oh, everybody does. The sister, well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> True. They appear in all of their movies and have a tendency to, this is the random factoid. Sure. Have a tendency to kill off blonde females in their scripts. Hmm. Quoting, blondes make the best victims. And there you go. So these are. I the mean, if Alfred Hitchcock did it, why not? Right. Uh, <laughs> so these are. Uh, oh, they've also 
<laughs> made um, two films for WWE Studios. Really? Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the, the Cedo Evil 2 and the Vendetta, but that's for that, and Vendetta, those were both for WWE Studios. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, th- their segment that they did in ABCs of Death 2 mm-hmm. was entitled uh, T is for Torture Porn. Oh, great. So, <laughs> um, interesting people. Th- this is who Marvel is hiring mm-hmm. to write. Black Widow. Black Widow. And Marvel wants to wonder why their sales numbers suck (laughs) and why DC is kicking their ass in the top 10 and the top 15 in sales is because DC has all the writers. Yeah. They have all of the writers, Mm -hmm. okay? And Marvel doesn't appear to be able to go out and find anyone who is an actual comic book writer. They keep hiring people, Stephen, who are political columnists mm-hmm. or TV directors or mm-hmm. movie directors or mm-hmm. adult fiction writers, you know, why <laughs> a adult fiction young writers. adult fiction writers. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not too sure, Stephen. I understand the criteria Marvel is using to find their writers these days. I, I don't get it. It used to be that you would look to the to um, well, you would look to people who are interns in your company, who are writers who you know wanted to write but couldn't get a job as a writer, so they became an intern or mm-hmm. they became an assistant editor or whatever, and yeah. you made them your writers. Or you look to another company, a smaller comic book company, yep. Boom or or Dark Image Wars. or Dark Horse or someone well, else. I don't know if Image is small these days. Well, back, back in the day, that's sure, what they sure, did. Sure. Okay, I mean, yeah, and, yeah, and they're yeah, small yeah. compared. I mean, they're tiny oh, yeah. compared to DC and Marvel. Sure. Um, that's how they used to find these writers. Mm-hmm. I... I am a bit mystified about how they're finding their writers, Stephen. Do you like it? Um, I mean, I've told you this before. I don't understand because I feel like there's got to be somebody who is currently writing a comic book at a company who would dream of working on a Marvel title, any Marvel title. Yeah. I mean, they're not quite image level, so I mean, that's the, the writer's destination these days. But, you know, they'd be like, wow, if I could just get into Marvel and just really show my stuff. Right. But Marvel's eyes have gone somewhere else. Uh, I assume it's because they're cheap. I guess. But if you're going to go outside to pick random people to write your comic, yeah. uh, don't, wouldn't you try to pair them with a comic that matches <laughs> their their style and their taste? Like the Socio Sisters, I don't know them, but based on their... Resume, Resume yeah. they clearly have a particular mm-hmm. genre. Yeah. Yes. Wouldn't you think it would make more sense to put them on, say, Ghostwriter? Yeah, or Man Thing. Or Man Thing, or yeah. Morbius. Yeah. Well. Um, why would you pick Black Widow, which is basically an, a thriller espionage character and yeah. always has been? I, I, do you see the – would you ever look at the Sosa sisters and what they do and think Black Widow? Probably not. No. no. So anyhow, uh, the they're the writers, and Flaviano, great name by the way, is the yeah. artist, and the color 
is done by Veronica Gandini. It sounds like the name of somebody, not her, um, Flaviana, like yes. somebody who, um, like you turn on like a like a, a, a Hispanic soap opera, and then end Flaviano. Yes. <laughs> he is an Italian artist. Yes, he is. Um, well, so, I apologize. An Italian so far. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, it, you begin. It begins in New York City New Year's Eve, and Captain America's there, and you know the crowd. Half the crowd hates him because you know he evil Cap and Hail Hydra. Thanks, right? Nick Spencer. Yeah, thanks, Nick Spencer. <laughs> We're still dealing with that crap, and other people still love him. Anyhow, he walks in to the building where they're having a big party, and Black Widow pops out of nowhere, and. Evidently, there's a fake Steve Rogers there, dressed up as Captain America, and he's trying to spread. He's part of some Chechnyan terrorists, mm-hmm. and they're trying to make you know, smear Captain America and sow dissent and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Yeah. You get the hint. Yeah. Terrorists, bad guys, yeah. whatever. So Steve goes to confront the fake Steve at the party. Meanwhile, Black Widow takes on the bad guys behind the scenes. They have some, mm-hmm. ro- some crazy robot in storage and what gets me is that she's supposed to be dead and steve mm-hmm. tells natasha you're supposed to be dead no one can see you mm-hmm. right so when you're finding the bad guys they can't see you yeah so <laughs> if uh hmm, okay can't see my face you think she might wear a mask right because that would prevent you from recognizing her face mm-hmm. She puts on a blindfold. Is she a toddler? Just because <laughs> you cover your eyes doesn't mean everyone else disappears and can't see you. That's what a toddler would think. They cover their, they close their, when they close their eyes. They think the whole world's disappeared, mm-hmm. that they're invisible. Yeah. I remember my two boys and their toddlers. They would close their eyes and they thought that would immediately meant I couldn't see them. Yeah. Okay. So she blindfolds herself. It does nothing to cover up your face. Like I don't know the color of your eyes. But I can clearly tell yeah. your Black Widow wearing a blindfold. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly tell. Yeah. Steven. <laughs> it's little, little things matter yeah. in a story. Mm-hmm. Little things matter, don't you think? Yeah. So, at this point, I'm just like, oh, this is going to be a stupid comic. And she takes out some of the bad guys. And then the fake Steve shows up and she starts fighting him. And then the robot gets activated and she's fighting the robot and the fake Steve. And she eventually takes over and tries to gain control of the robot. She's fighting it, and then she disables it, and then she takes down the fake Steve. And it's a whole bunch of gobbledygook about whatever crazy stuff this terrorist group believes in. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It literally is pointless. And then you see the real Steve and Natasha on the rooftop watching the New Year's fireworks, and Natasha's not happy about how she has to still pretend to be dead. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm sure not sure why Steve Rogers was in this comic whatsoever other than I can't tell you why, but he was. Um, we then cut to Natasha becoming Patch. She yeah. wears the same outfit as Patch. Well, not the exact same, but it's the female version of the same outfit. Sure. It's a female white pantsuit outfit like Patch, <laughs> you know, wears the male white yeah, suit. Yeah, it goes to, to Magic and, and she has the eye patch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and at this point, she's written as if she was Logan. She mm-hmm. talks about how she's a killer and she's an animal and she can't keep the rage contained. And I'm thinking, when did, okay, so She-Hulk has to be written Instead of her own unique character, smart, sexy, confident, kick-ass attorney mm-hmm. who's also kick-ass She-Hulk. She had no. She has to now be written like Bruce Banner, mm-hmm. the male counterpart. She has to be 
written like the male counterpart. Yeah. Now you have Black Widow has to be written like a male character, Logan, mm-hmm. completely, rather than her own unique character that she used to be. She used to be kind of like that slinky, cool, espionage, female, James Bondy mm-hmm. character, right? Yeah. But her own unique character now, if we're just going to write her like Wolverine. I, I don't... Not sure I get the logic in mm-hmm. doing these to these female characters. I'm not following the logic, but I guess someone at Marvel thinks it's a good idea. <laughs> so now she now she's Logan and she acts like Patch the whole time and she's through Madripoor and she takes down some bad guys and there's a lot of brothels in Madripoor, Stephen. <laughs> and she hooks up with uh, Tiger Tiger, who's kind of like the law. In the area. Well, you know, like the street law of the area, right? Mm -hmm. And they go to the Princess Bar, and here Tiger Tiger shows Patch, I mean Natasha, (laughs) this website called No Restraints Play, and evidently they kidnap young girls. I'm talking like six years old, and they... Easy way to make you hate somebody. Butcher them. Or make and you want them to die or whatever, yeah. It's at least that's what... Sexually molest them, torture them, whatever. I just... Steve, yeah. Steven, I don't... I don't... I, I don't want to read about this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I know they're villains and they're supposed to be... I just... I don't think anything having to do with little kids mm-hmm. being sexually molested and tortured and killed should be in a Marvel superhero comic that is targeting kids it's just i i just nope just don't need to see it i just don't need to see it i get i get don't need to see it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so those are the bad guys and then we cut to uh the leader of the guys that patch i mean natasha beat up earlier right the gang leader showing up and he also happens to be conveniently the guy who i guess runs no restraints play yeah. And so, and he looks like something out of like, very outlandish, yeah. like something out of like a Japanese anime. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. the end of the issue. Stephen Black Widow, number one. Mm-hmm. Let me have it. Um, well, hmm. Wow, <laughs> you're so excited. I'm speechless. Um, <laughs> I mean, when I had first when I first read this, when I finished putting it down, I was like, okay, well, that wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. I because um, I, I, at first I was like, well, you know, I mean, she's an assassin, she's a killer, of course, she's gonna you know think that. But I was like, wait a minute, no, that's she's never had that kind of compulsion to kill right. people before. She's been like, she's not an animal. Yeah, she's, she's like cold hearted assassin. Yeah, she's she like she's like James before. Bond. Right, she's, James Bond doesn't just go out and say, "Oh, I can't wait to kill people." He's like, "Well, if somebody comes my way, I'm just gonna kill him." She was like the Winter Soldier. I'm programmed yeah, to kill. Exactly, but, but it's without emotion. Yeah, and I always figured she'd be like if if I if you know she was more like a um, maybe like a Deathstroke, not an evil person, right? But like someone who's willing to do what they need to do to you know to do whatever. And I thought the like I knew the reason that they had Captain America in here is because they have to get into the debate of uh, no, you can't right, kill people. Yeah, it's like, sure. well, I mean, there's people here; they're they're terrorists. Yeah, what does it matter? It's like, no, we can't do that. Blah 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 blah. And I was like, okay, well, I guess if you're setting up the character, then you put her with the the perfect person right, in the Marvel sure. universe. 
I was like, okay, that doesn't really bother me that much. Marvel I, Superman. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I got it. And um, I was like, okay, well, I mean, that it's number one to people who don't. I mean, because sure. she's not really much of a character in the movies. No, not so really. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. You know, she's a spy. Cool, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, stuff after that with the inner monologue was a little much. I was like, mm-hmm. eh, I don't, I don't like that. Um, it's it's fine, I guess. I'm not a big fan of the art per se. Mm-hmm. Um, if it had looked more like what was on the cover, I probably would have been more all right with it because mm-hmm. it'd been more stylized and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yes, but. And the stuff, I mean, Magic Four, I, Matt, it's, I think they did go a little too far in showing, oh, this is what people do, and then, I mean, they didn't show anything, thank God, right, right, right. But it's just like, okay, you don't, you don't really need to. They could have just said, you could have just showed the screen what it's called, and that would have sold it. It's like, yeah. oh God, okay. And I mean, I like. Some of the action, the stuff with the blindfold, like you said, it was it was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and she could have probably just worn a wig and would have been all right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, seriously. But um, I mean, I, it's it's something. I'm glad we're doing this today because I probably would have forgotten about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, as far as the art, uh, uh, I think the biggest problem with the art, Stephen, is that there's a complete disconnect between the style of art and the tone of this and yeah. the mood of the story. Mm-hmm. They don't match in the least bit. This is very, um, like, m- manga-style cartoony art yeah. that doesn't at all match the tone of the characters or the mood of the story no. from the Soska sisters in the least bit. No, so I think this not. Marvel editorial staff screwed up. They put the wrong artist on on the title. Mm-hmm. They screwed up big time. They they, they that's on the, that's on the editorial staff. Yeah. That's not on the artist. It's not on the writer. That's on the editorial staff. They not, they should be able to match people. Better than that. They yeah. screwed up on that. Oh, yeah. And as far as the story, it just it wasn't good, Stephen. It just wasn't I mean, it just mm-hmm. wasn't good. It was as blah and generic as you could get. Yeah. I mean, this felt super, super generic. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing to the story at all. It, the, the dialogue is just, it's just, it's just there. Yeah. It's just okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the story that really hooks the reader and pulls them in. There's, it's just so, it's just blah. Yeah. It's just blah. I'm you don't sure. hate it. You don't like it. It's just blah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, the character work is just, it's very pedestrian. Yeah. The dialogue is and the character work is is not good. It's mm-hmm. and and the the whole It's not it's not that there's no work, it's just that it's so paint by numbers. Yeah. yeah. Really is. And and making Natasha into Logan yeah. was just odd and disappointing and to be honest boring and yeah. it makes Natasha's character a lot less interesting mm-hmm. as well. It makes yeah. her character kind of boring. And the setup for the main villain and the the main plot line involving no restraints play, it just feels so again, I, I, I keep using the word blah. It just feels so uninspired. Like yeah. this all feels just as generic as you can get to me doesn't mm-hmm. 
The only thing that wasn't the only thing that would have completed the trifecta is if Nick Fury had literally handed her a brief a, a file and said, "This is your next assignment." Yeah, that that's the only thing that this was missing. Yeah, she this... went. She only went because she wanted to kill people that deserved it. Yeah, it's, it's like, just it's not very intelligent and it's not no. pr- not very deep. It's certainly not complex. It's just very. It's a. It's basic. Yeah, it's basic. And it's disappointing because Black Widow's a great character. Mm-hmm. And wow, this does does her character no justice at all. No. Very disappointing. Mm-hmm. Very disappointing. Uh, how would you grade out Black Widow one? Uh, um, I mean, I mean, if it's all if it's middle of the road, then it's going to be the middle of the road score. Yeah. I'd say the writing's a five. Um, I'm I'm trying to get out of the habit of rewriting an issue when right. I critique it. Right. So I'm not going to say, you know, well, actually, they should have done this. But it's just, you know, it's it's not terrible. I've read a lot worse, mm-hmm. but I've read a lot better. Yeah. I actually even like Mark Ray, Wade and Sam Nees better. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, it felt yeah. more yeah. true it to It felt that more character. true to the character. Agreed. Agreed. And um, the art... I'll just give the art a five, too. I mean... Yeah. It was, just just, it was just mismatched art. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I'm going to go a little bit less than y'all go four night girls out of 10 for the writing sure. and five night girls out of 10 for the art. Okay. Just blah. Yeah. Very, very unimpressive start. Yeah. Invaders number one, Steven. Maybe that'll be a little bit better. The writer, so. Chip Zdarsky. We like mm-hmm. him. Yes. We like him. Artist, Carlos Magno with Butch Geis. Mm-hmm. Good artist. Yes. Color art by Alice Gumares. This begins with a flashback scene of Namor in World War II. Mm-hmm. And he's taken down some bad guys, some Germans. And while he's he's been fighting for weeks without water, Stephen, and so he's getting weaker and weaker and weaker, and he's unable to save an American GI from being killed, mm-hmm. who was a good friend of his. And you yeah. see him by the American GI's body, and he's sad, and then he passes out, and then he wakes up. Captain America's like, hey, bud, we're okay. Here, have some water. We won the battle. Yeah. And then we cut to the present, and we see that um, Captain America is talking with Jim Hammond, the original Human Torch, also a member of the Invaders. Right. Jim Hammond is trying to write a book on the Invaders. He wants people to have an official accounting of what the Invaders did. He mm-hmm. thinks it's important, and he also thinks it's important that they uh, do Namor justice, that he's a friend, despite mm-hmm. what's going on currently yeah. in the Avengers. Mm-hmm. He's a friend, he's a good guy, and people need to realize that and chronicle for, for the hero that he was. Mm-hmm. And... He and Cap debate about, you know, how to handle Namor, and Jim's basically like, look, Namor doesn't need someone punching him for the 80th million time. Yeah. We've done that dance over and over again. What he mm-hmm. needs is a friend. Yeah. And that's you. That's us. Mm-hmm. And he needs to be saved. He's like, there's something wrong with him. Jim Hammond says it's something wrong, because after World War II, people don't remember, but for a long time, Marvel Comics history, or after World War II, he wanted the Earth as an amnesiac. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Jim Hammond's theorizing that something happened to his brain. Yeah. And he's never recovered, even when he recovered from his amnesia, that his brain never recovered. recovered, yeah. And that there's something wrong with him and that he needs someone to help him. And uh, Weird that he is telling Captain America this. Uh-huh, it's interesting. I that was very interesting. I thought it was interesting, too. Yeah. Very interesting. And Steve kind of just takes it on in like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I think what I liked most about it is the only character I can think of who could talk this way to Steve Rogers would be the original Human Torch. Yeah, one of his war buddies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Jim Hammond, 
is everyone knows he's an android, mm-hmm. and so he's kind of like you know, uh, supposed to be like the perfect man, right? And I think that the only character that has the gravitas in the history mm-hmm. and the standing to talk to Steve in this way right. is him. Mm-hmm. I, re- I really believe that, and it yeah. and uh, I thought it was a good dynamic between the two of them. Oh yeah, I liked it. I liked it. We then cut back to a scene in War Two where they're about to bury all the dead from the battle, and one of the dead is extremely close friend of Namor, mm-hmm. and Namor's not there, and so Steve goes to one of the local bars in France, and there's Namor, he's getting all of this lady, he's like about to get some, mm-hmm. and Steve's like, what is your problem? You know, yeah, we're burying our friends, you're acting like this, and Namor's like, you know, you think I care about you humans? You're just bags of water to me. I could kill anyone here if I wanted to. It's mm-hmm. just acting like typical Namor. Yeah. He goes, I'm just here to stop Nazis from coming to my seas. Mm-hmm. And Steve, you know, basically faces down with Namor and tells him, look, these are our friends. You can act the way you are, but I know that you care. You care. Come pay your respects. And then as he's walking out, you see that Bucky's in the bar as well, yep. talking to a girl. And Steve just kind of stares at him and goes, you too, Bucky. Mm-hmm. Yep. Again, really good moment. Mm-hmm. with, And I like how they handled Bucky with it, because Bucky doesn't even say anything. He's not yep. really the focus, but you see him in the corner there, and it's kind of like... Kinda cowering away. <laughs> yeah, and it reacts totally different than Namor did, obviously. Yeah. But that was the good, like, father... It's weird, because Steve and Bucky are not father-son. They're best friends, but at World War II, they're more of a big brother, little brother. Yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. And it's a good dynamic. Yeah. I think they tap into that properly. Mm-hmm. Then you cut back to the president with Namor going to uh, get the Sea uh, Blades. That's yeah. a group of Atlanteans who separated from them. Mm-hmm. And he wants to bring them back into the kingdom and be loyal to him. Mm-hmm. So he meets with the king there. Um, and he's like, join me right now. And the king's like, I ain't joining you. Get out of my face. And he's like, oh, yeah? Fine, you don't want to join me, I'm going to take you down. And all the water gets removed mm-hmm. from the underwater city. Yep. And you're like, how did Namor do that? We don't know. Nope. And then he <laughs> says, I'll ask you again, will you join me? And the king's like, yes. And he, Namor brings all the water back. Yeah. And the king's like, how do you have that power? And he's <laughs> like, I'm not telling not explain to you. Yeah. I control the water itself. I don't got to explain to you how. Yeah. So the sea has its secrets. Uh, I am the sea. Exactly. Like, yes. I thought that was like a good good yeah. line, right? Mm-hmm. Good moment, good line. Mm-hmm. Then you flash back to the them bearing all the uh, World War II with them bearing their comrades. And mm-hmm. you see all the men are there and Namor is the last to arrive. Mm-hmm. And he gives Steve a hug and stands by them. And, you know, they pay their respects. And... um and Namor's talking about how no one ever needs to die in battle again. You know, why would there be battles if we no longer had enemies? This, yes, the sea has the secrets, and I am the sea. Mm. So let me tell you mine. And then we cut to Jim visiting the, one of the last remaining War II soldiers that the invaders fought with mm-hmm. to get some stories from him to put in the book mm-hmm. about Namor because he was closest to Namor. Yeah. And the guy gives some uh, uh, a box of photos to Jim Hammond, says this will help you with your research. And his daughter walks in, the GI's daughter walks in and goes, no, 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 wait, hold on, Name, uh, Jim, come with me. And she's like, those are family photos, those are heirlooms, we want to keep it. Mm-hmm. And he hands the bo- Jim hands the box back to her, but as he does, some pictures fall out. And in it, you see a photograph of 
Namor when he's an amnesiac mm-hmm. with Charles Xavier next to him. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, boy. <laughs> and then you see Steve suiting up and going to um, talk to Namor. And Tony mm-hmm. Stark's like, you can't, you're crazy, you can't do this. And he's like, Avengers don't have a role in this. Yep. This has to be the invaders, mm-hmm. which I liked as well. Yeah. And then Steve calls Bucky and uh, he tells him, it's Avengers, it's invaders business. Let's go. If mm-hmm. Avengers show up, it'll be a war. If you and I show up, we'll come as friends. And then, um, so basically, then we end the story with the Atlanteans looking at Namor, who's kind of floating up in the water, and he's talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. And the guys, and the, the Atlanteans like, who is he talking to? Yeah. And they're like, the king is mad. And that's the end of the issue. Mm-hmm. So, Invaders number one, what'd you think? Um, well, wow. Um, yeah, did not expect this, Steven. Yeah. I did not expect this at all. I yeah, was that was, that was really good. Oh, yeah, Really good. Um, yes. I've really liked how they've, I mean, uh, Jason Aaron keyed up the ball with the Namor stuff, but they've really yep. been carrying it through, mm-hmm. like, really showing, like, okay, this is something we're invested in at Marvel. Yep. The storyline, we're going to keep going. I really appreciate that, first of all. But um, I really like, I mean, I like the way he wrote everybody, but I like yes. how they've, he's come around to this idea that Namor, all of his issues, his, you know, long antagonistic history, that mm-hmm. there is, that there's something wrong with him. I love that concept. Yeah. Man. I love and, it. And it's not really clear what it is. I mean, like, there's there's obviously some kind of PTSD or something. Clearly. Maybe a CTE. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... Because I the the scene with him like on the ground like weak that was also in the 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 no defense yes. issue with the flashback with him yes and I mean it really makes you because you know Steve Rogers was frozen before the end and they mm-hmm. make a point of saying that uh, and Bucky was as well mm-hmm. they make a point of saying that Jim Hammond he he forgot like he yes that his yeah. his creator wanted him to be so human that his memories are just like a human mm-hmm. so over time he forgets things forgets as well things. he yeah. wants him to be as human as a human mm-hmm. whereas Steve and Bucky feel like World War II just happened yesterday, yesterday. yeah because they were frozen well Steve frozen at a time and Bucky obviously frozen by the Russians yeah exactly so for them it feels like mm-hmm. it just happened sorry yeah but Namor is the only one who lived through it who saw everything yes. that happened and is still around I mean he was he was an amnesiac so he doesn't mm-hmm. you know but and also for him, but he made it through the whole thing, and then when he came back, he remembered all everything, yes. bad stuff. Yes, and that, I mean, look at anybody who lived through that. That's mm-hmm. a horrible thing mm-hmm. to to have to keep in your head like that. Mm-hmm. And I re- I never thought about that before. With yeah, it's like Jim Hammond had the time to process it. Yeah, and then the deleterious effects of time to let it slowly mm-hmm. wash away. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and Steve and Bucky didn't see uh, didn't the see worst. the worst because yeah. they didn't make it through the whole war. Yeah. Remember, they mm-hmm. both got they both got taken taken yeah. out early, mm-hmm. right? When that bomb exploded mm-hmm. on the uh, the on rocket, the, the island, yeah. yeah, they got taken out early, so they mm-hmm. didn't see the whole war. Yeah, 
So, so they didn't, probably didn't see any of the concentration camps. That's right. Like that. Whereas yeah. Namor saw the whole war. He and Jim did, but mm-hmm. Jim had the ability to live through time yeah. and let time ease some wounds and take mm-hmm. care of things. Whereas Namor, you're right. He became amnesiac after the war, and then when he got his memories back, it was like turning on the floodgates. Wham! You yeah. remember literally everything from the war mm-hmm. all at one time. Yeah. I never thought about that either. Yeah. And it's brilliant. Stephen, mm-hmm. brilliant. Yeah, I I think you know we've reviewed uh, Heroes in Crisis mm-hmm. about it's supposed to be about PTSD. Yeah. Uh, well, Tom King needs to read, read this this yeah. issue because Chip Zdarsky shows Tom King how you deal with PTSD. Because mm-hmm. Heroes in Crisis talks about it. Yeah. Chip Zdarsky actually deals with it. Mm-hmm. Chip's doing what Tom wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> this and is really good. The way yeah. he deals with it, and I think it's a it's a great way to explain Namor's personality yeah. and what he's done in the past mm-hmm. and is currently doing now. I think it's it totally explains how he has acted, mm-hmm. how oh, he's yeah. always so contentious mm-hmm. and so hostile and so flies off the handle so quickly. Mm-hmm. It is brilliant. It's yeah. it makes it's it's true to Namor's character. Mm-hmm. And it fits organically into Namor's history. Yeah. And it all is logical. I love that's how you that's how you add new wrinkles to a character's history. You have to do it organically mm-hmm. and logically. Oh yeah. And Zadarsky does it. It doesn't ever feel like a disconnect. It doesn't feel like, you know, sometimes Bendis would jam that square uh peg <laughs> into a round <laughs> hole to make it, you know, to, to change someone's continuity. Yeah. No, no, no. This this is all very natural and it mm-hmm. makes perfect sense and it makes Namor even more fascinating. And when you get to the end, Stephen, where he's talking to himself, you're like, Yeah. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great, and it also factors in the fact that because as Jim Hammond says, like, look, I mean, y'all, we've punched him in the face how many times? Yeah, I love that. And I love that moment. I love. Yeah. And what does it do? Nothing. nothing. Yeah. It does nothing. Mm-hmm. We need to take a different approach. Yeah. And and to ha- to have Jim be the one to tell Steve that mm-hmm. I thought was brilliant. That having Steve, if Steve did, it have been too predictable. Yeah. Too predictable. Yeah, but he had to be told that. I like that. Yeah. Made for better drama. Mm-hmm. Didn't it? Yeah, because it, it shows that, you know, for all the times that they said, no, I respect you, no, we're still friends. Right. Steve Rogers, at least in this moment, has had given up on him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, Stephen, I think Zdarsky did an amazing job with yeah. the dialogue and the mm-hmm. character work. Don't mm-hmm. you think? The okay. dialogue is so beautifully written. Mm-hmm. All the characters have a unique external voice. Yep. Very mm-hmm. unique external voice. The characters are well developed. Mm-hmm. They have their own personalities. They're true to the characters. The chemistry between all the characters, I think, is fantastic. It oh, feels yeah. very natural. Mm-hmm. This story is very emotional. I find this story to be very, very powerful mm-hmm. when you're reading it. I mean, it really has a, a great impact on the reader. I mean, mm-hmm. you get lost in this story. You get pulled in deeply, and you get lost in the emotion yeah. of the story. It's a powerful read. Mm-hmm. It's. It's very satisfying. Yeah, it's a very it's a very nuanced story. You can tell Zadarsky really took his time carefully crafting this story. It is well, it is w- so well written. Not just mm-hmm. the dialogue and the character, but just technically the construction of the of the comic, the scene transitions, the the flow of the story, the plotting. Mm-hmm. Really good. The pacing. It's measured. He 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 progresses yeah. with this steady pace that kind of builds to intensity to the end. Mm-hmm. I I really just think this is such just wonderful writing. Yeah, 
wonderful writing, and not at all what I was expecting, Stephen. No, I mean, my hopes were low for Invaders One. I was just, I, I, I knew Zdarsky's a good writer. Don't yeah. get me wrong, because after Soul, Zdarsky's like really the only other writer outside of Soul that I mm-hmm. think Marvel has that's really worth a yeah. lot. Oh yeah, you know. So I know he's a good writer, but I, I wasn't expecting a story this intelligent. And but he put it usually, that way, and he usually writes stuff that's a lot more fun. Yes, he does. Yeah, he, and what that's and thank you for mentioning that because I wanted to touch on the fact that Zdarsky shows that he's got some diversity to his writing set. Mm-hmm. By the way, his skill set isn't just making fun, entertaining comics. Yeah, he can also deliver serious, powerful comics too, mm-hmm. and that's pretty cool that he has that diverse ability and. Uh, so I wasn't expecting it. I, yeah. It caught me off guard. It's just not what I was expecting. Yeah. But wonderful. And oh, yeah. I, I would absolutely recommend people pick this up. Yes. Buy Invaders number one. Definitely. If you've been reading Avengers, mm-hmm. buy Invaders number one. Mm-hmm. It takes a cool story idea by, by Aaron. I've had problems with various things on Aaron's title. Sure. But, but but the Namor storyline has been a good storyline. Mm-hmm. Well, Zdarsky makes it even better. Yes. Aaron made an interesting one that was fun mm-hmm. and entertaining. Yeah. Heavy on action and entertaining and fun. Mm-hmm. Zdarsky makes it more intelligent and more deep and right. more complex. It's really good. Yeah, and it does. It does. Um, it does something. It like it expands. Like it makes it feel more like okay. Well, like you go back and you look at that, and while it is fun, you're like, oh, okay. Well, now I see like from yeah. his perspective. Yeah. And um, yep. Yeah. I, 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 and I really liked. Um, I mean, the art was the art was 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 good. Was solid. I like the art. Yeah, yeah it was good. It's good st- solid artwork. And I like how I mean, obviously, it goes back when, mm-hmm. when it goes to the flashbacks. It's different artists, and it's like kind of grainier Butch, looking. Butch guys does the flashback scenes. Carlos Magno does the present day scenes. Yeah, but, Carlos's um, art's a lot more um, smooth, slick, mm-hmm. modern superhero style artwork. Right, guys. Everybody knows Geis's style of art. It's oh, more yeah. of the more of the uh, sketchy, grainy, mm-hmm. uh, r- realistic. Mm-hmm. style artwork which actually which works matches with yeah. the scenes perfectly I think mm-hmm. yeah yeah and um, yeah and one other thing that just small thing that came up was there was a a, a line where Jim was talking to Steve Rogers about why he's writing the book and he said well I think that you know people need to remember the war now mm-hmm. and that's uh, when people talk about or mention things that are going on in the present day like mm-hmm. that's the way that you do it it's a very simple line yep it doesn't call anybody out. It just says, mm-hmm. I think people need to remember mm-hmm. what happened It's really here. well done. Yeah. It's, it's subtle. Yes. Well it's done. Subtle and, I mean, you know, in, in a truthful statement, mm-hmm. I think. Absolutely. Great. But, um, and also something else I liked was the way that, you know, they contrasted, you know, Captain America and Namor's responses to the deaths. Because yes. you know, there's a lot of talk about, like, you know, masculinity and toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But Steve, when Steve Rogers comes in, he's very much the traditional man. He is where he, he is comes traditional in. stoic, yes. stiff upper lip, mm-hmm. reaction to everything. Yes, and um, Namor, Namor is not the, so much. <laughs> yeah, he's the the um, lose yourself in women and booze. Yeah, to he's make the a, pain he, go away. Yeah, he's the one who not, that's not uncommon. Yep, exactly. He's and like with him, like showing off. It's like that's the that's the reaction of people who think they're you know acting like real men. <laughs> yes, correct. And when. With Steve coming up to him and just saying, "We're burying these people. You need to be there. Pay your respects. Pay your respects. Man up and mm-hmm. pay your respects." Exactly. I thought that was act that like was brilliant. Act like a man, mm-hmm. and being that means being respectful. Yeah, and showing up yeah, to showing honor up the for dead. Your people. Yeah, right. And I think what was very powerful about that scene was that Bucky was seeing both reactions. Mm-hmm. Bucky was seeing the positive. I don't know if it's positive these days about the <laughs> tough 
stoic, yeah. strong mm-hmm. reaction of Steve right. Rogers. Right. Because it wasn't like he was like saying, you know, well, don't cry. No, man. no, no, no. But, it was but, like, but, it's, you know. but it's a very, but it was a very, he's pretty stoic. Yeah. Steve is, Steve is, mm-hmm. he's very John Wayne. Yeah, definitely. Um, so he's seeing the John Wayne way of handling it, which does include respecting mm-hmm. what's happened. Yeah. And the Namor way of handling it, which is lose yourself in booze and women. Mm-hmm. And, and act like a dick. Uh-huh. And act yeah. like a dick. Mm-hmm. And not honor the dead and your comrades. And I think Bucky in that scene kind of had his feet in both worlds. He was there with a woman yeah. and drinking, but he wasn't acting a dick like Namor. Yeah. So he's kind of he wasn't st- in denial. I think Bucky yeah. being a, like a lot of young men, he didn't know which way to be. Yeah. So he was kind of like Steve, but also okay, but. maybe it'd be a little bit like Namor. Mm-hmm. And that moment of Steve t- t- calling him out was like, okay, now that's the moment where he learns. Yeah. Which way this to go? Because that was the Bucky's crossroad. Which way is he going to be like? Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. that was really well done and subtle. If you don't look for it, you're not going to see it. Mm-hmm. But it's there. Yeah. That's subtle character work. Yes, very subtle. But Definitely. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you grade Invaders number one? Um, I would give. Um, I'm going to give it straight nines because I like. Mm-hmm. I really. I like the art. I think it matches with what's going on perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I love the writing a mm-hmm. lot. Um, Amen. So yeah. I will go. Uh, I'm I'm right there with you with the writing. Nine night girls out of ten for the writing. Slight lower. I'll go eight night girls out of sure. ten with the art. But mm-hmm. pretty much locked up with you. Yeah. Um, all right. Last from Marvel. All Return right. of Wolverine number four. Yes. This is brought to us by Charles Soule. Art by Declan Shalvey. Mm-hmm. Colors by Laura Martin. And Wolverine is just wakes up. He's in a hospital bed. Wakes up, and Anna is there with him, the woman who he's been helping try to get her son back. Mm-hmm. And she shows him the aftermath of his big fight with the X Men. Yeah. He thought, of course that they were uh, bad guys because Persephone was using her abilities right. to make him think that the X-Men were bad guys. And uh, anyhow, then Perone shows, uh, Peren shows up. That's the son. She goes, look, Wolverine, I got my son back. You did your job. And mm-hmm. then she plants a big kiss on Wolverine. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> your son's in the room. What's going on? Yeah. And Persephone's like, I owe, I've told you one story, but I owe you another one. Mm-hmm. And uh, she tells about how in this city, everybody does the same thing, and get up, go to work, go to bed, get up, go to work, go to bed, and at night they yeah. dream, but dreams are pointless, dreams are useless, and dreams don't do anything, and most almost everybody fails, and it's, it's no reason, dreams are pointless. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. basically the opium for the masses, mm-hmm. and people are all born dead, and then one day they actually die. Mm-hmm. Ta-da! Okay. And then, out of nowhere, Anna pulls out a gun and kills, shoots her son. And woman, Logan's like, what the what? Yeah. And Anna's like, it's okay. He's not really my son. In fact, his name isn't even Perrin. I just like the name. And by the way, I'm not Anna. And then one of the soldiers, Persephone soldiers, comes in and shoots Logan with a big, like, I don't know what, like looks a like huge, a... massive uh, spear that then opens up into all these cables that connect him to the wall, mm-hmm. tie him down to the wall. Yeah. And and then Anna reveals she's she's not Anna she's Persephone mm-hmm. and Anna this is just a corpse that she has animated mm-hmm. and it's not even real she's just a dead lady and she goes in fact the whole city is dead yeah and everybody drops to the ground dead mm-hmm. and then she reanimates them again and she yeah. goes I'm a mutant my powers to bring back the dead she's like I'm bringing back three different ways I can make them like movie zombies I can make them like drones or I can make them like perfect clones and you'd never know the difference so mm-hmm. she can do all three types yep. And she's like, death is my only friend, uh, but it's a good friend. And the perfect society is one full of dead people. 
because mm-hmm. they are perfect and peaceful and orderly and yeah 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 and then she reveals by the way you you did a good job beating up all your x-men friends and <laughs> kitty pride decided to retreat mm-hmm. and uh she goes my soldier here zagreus will lead you to me and we can talk more. I still owe you one more story. Don't you want to see how it ends? Mm-hmm. And then with that, she, t- Anna collapses to the ground because Persephone stops controlling her. Mm-hmm. Collapses to the ground. And then Wolverine's like, all right, let's go. I'll follow you. And uh, they hop in a Humvee and Wolverine tells the soldier, Zagreus, he goes, I already know how the story ends. The same way it always does. Somebody dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> End of issue. Return of Wolverine number four. What'd you think, Stephen? <laughs> Well, this is not how I thought this was going to go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> me neither. <laughs> um, Charles Soule got me. Yeah, he did. I <laughs> I was legit stunned when they when like she shot her son. Me like, too. I was like, what, what the what? No. My jaw was on the ground. <laughs> it's like, are you the bad guy? Yeah, and exactly. it's like, well, I guess technically she was part of the bad guy. Exactly. Um, you definitely learn because how many is this? Six or five? I think it's six. 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 Um, I like that. I mean, well, I mean, I really like this overall. Yep. Um, yeah, I know fun. some people have been uh have been kind of down on it. So yeah. like, it doesn't really feel like a big event, and I'm like, I don't think it was supposed to be a big event. Yeah, though. it's like, well, yeah, and thank God for that yeah. because I'm so sick of those. Right, it's just a good story. Yeah, and um, uh, I mean, they don't do the thing with his mind. Mm-hmm. This time they, they don't. don't they true. don't go in his head or whatever. But I really. But this is like the explainer mm-hmm. issue because but, Persephone says at the end, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, tell you gonna, how you came back to life." Exactly. Or this is one of the explainer issues. Like they show right. what happens with the X Men, so there's a little bit of action in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the explanation I thought was very interesting. Yes. I mean, because I mean, you know, she does her philosophizing. We know that she does that. That's part of her character. She's yep. done that before. Mm-hmm. But just the way that. It's like you see her fascination with Wolverine. Like, why? Like, yes. Yeah, of course, somebody he came back. He's come back before. Yes. Um, and just the way that she, you know, revealed her powers just by like just dropping everybody dead I and think bringing them back to life. Soul like, does a wow. great job giving us her worldview. Yeah. And explaining to us her worldview. Mm-hmm. And it's quite fascinating. Yeah. It's it very, is. it's very different. It mm-hmm. feels original. It feels unique and it feels interesting. And yeah. not too often that you see a brand new villain appear in Marvel Comics and they're actually pretty compelling. And Persephone's yeah. pretty darn compelling and mm-hmm. her worldview is pretty different. It's it's very fascinating. It's it's not at all what I was expecting, Steve. Yeah. Really caught me by surprise. I wasn't expecting her to be a Either. Right, it legit. I mean, so legit swerved me good time on yeah. this one. You really did. <laughs> yeah, um, and I mean, it's it's a bit slower paced. Definitely a slow paced issue. There's which, not much action at all. Yeah, which I mean, I I know that bothers that that can be bothersome to some people. It didn't yep. bother me. I was okay with but, it in this issue. Yeah. Um, but and I mean, and I I like uh, Declan Shalvey's art. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was. You know, he did a good job with this one. I'd, it's, I, it's, I've really liked this series, and I still, mm-hmm. I still do. It's kind of hard to, you know, outside of just like or saying how legitimately surprised I was that mm-hmm. this is where they were gonna go with it. Yep. That, I mean, and it also finally puts that god awful, um, claws of a killer series yes. into, into perspective. Like, oh, it this is does. why they were doing that. Okay. Wow. Talk about the long. 
yeah, burn game. there. Yep. Huh? Wow, that and, is that um, is the real long game. And it shows how uh, how Dakin has returned because I think that Zagreus is him because I mean, oh, unfortunately, he was one probably of them. So, and it was unfortunate, but I was like, he's he's dead. It's like, oh, of course, right, 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 because she controls the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and Persephone. Yep. Indeed. It all makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> and yeah. I like it. <laughs> I, 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 Stephen, I'm with you lockstep. I think this was a beautifully written issue. It's got strong character work, really strong character work, great dialogue. And I just think that the world building with Persephone, soul, this, this issue is all about soul explaining to us Persephone mm-hmm. and her philosophy and her worldview and what she's up to and why she's messing around with Wolverine. I just thought it was really really good and it's it, I don't get I don't get shocked and swerved that often in mainstream comics and Soul absolutely did it in this issue mm-hmm. I know it's a slow paced issue I know there's not much action at all but I think this is such a strong character driven issue all about really giving us some more information on Persephone which had been kept secret up until now I, I think it was just it was really well written, mm-hmm. very well written. So I'm okay with it being slower paced. I'm okay with the lack of action because he really made up with it with the great character work mm-hmm. and the exp- and the giving us a lot of good information on Persephone because mm-hmm. we really hadn't gotten much. She was a real large unknown up yeah. until this issue. So I, I just and the twist that's just such a damn good twist. You just don't see it coming. And Stephen, I mean, my jaw was literally on the ground when she shot her son. Yeah. Her air quotes on. Mm-hmm. Just, I was just like, Wah! I mean, and it, again, it doesn't happen a lot in mainstream comics. To yeah. Me. So, and it all felt so natural. Yeah. So I just really, really good writing. And I know this, this, like you said, it doesn't feel like a big event, but I don't think, I think maybe even either that's Marvel's mistake by trying to make it a promote it as a big event mm-hmm. or people's expectations. I think Soul just wanted to write a good Wolverine story. That's it. Yeah. And it's a good Wolverine story. Oh, yeah. Just it, it, remove it from being a big event. Just say, hey, I'm going to do a good Wolverine miniseries. Mm-hmm. This is a really damn good Wolverine miniseries. It is. Um, the art, I didn't like it nearly as much as you. It doesn't sure. offend me. I just find it to be super, super boring. Mm-hmm. Just really boring yeah. art. It's just super boring to me. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, again, it doesn't offend. It doesn't doesn't detract from the story. It's not distracting. It doesn't, you know, it, sure. it, it's not like he's doing weird things that don't match up with the story, yeah. you know. It, it, not that all. I just I just found it to be very, just very, just boring. Yeah. Um, how would you grade out Return of Wolverine number four? Uh, I would give, I'll give the writing an eight, and I'll give the art, I'll give it a seven. Because, I, I mean, I liked it more than you did. Um, it's not the greatest art, but I did I did like it. It was it was good. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. I've I've been enjoying this a lot, yep. and um, I'm interested to see where it goes. And I totally agree. I will go eight night girls out of ten for the story. Mm-hmm. I'll go five night girls out of ten for the writing. This has been a fun story, really well written by Soul, and I'm absolutely looking forward to uh, the next issue. And mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend if you have not been reading this, get it when it comes out on trade. Oh, Get yeah. it when it comes out on trade. I think this is going to read wonderfully in trade format. Yeah, I agree. All right, my friend. Let us leave Marvel and head over to DC, shall we? Let's check out the Batman Who Laughs number two. Mm-hmm. Brought to us by Scott Snyder doing the words, Jock doing the art, and David Barron doing the colors. We begin with uh, Alfred doing emergency surgery on the Joker in the Batcave, trying to resuscitate him. And mm-hmm. The whole time, Alfred's like, you know, we could let him die. We could let him die. It wouldn't <laughs> be murder. We, we, I just stop. I'll just stop working. It yeah. won't be murder. We'll just let nature take its course. And Batman's like, oh, save him. We need to save him. We need to save him. We need to save him. Mm-hmm. And we see Batman plugged in with all these 
like syringes plugged all over his body, pumping all this Joker toxin anti venom yeah, serum, whatever, serum yeah. in him, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, this this will stave off a transformation for maybe a week." Yeah, if he does this every day, if he does it every day, <laughs> it'll give him a week. I was like, "Damn!" But we noticed that um, even though it's preventing him from transforming, he periodically starts to. Mm-hmm. lose control and become all angry and psychotic and then yeah. reigns it back in again mm-hmm. real fast. And so then we cut to another Bruce Wayne, dead Bruce Wayne being found by Harvey Bullock and J- Commissioner Jim Gordon. But in fact, it's not Harvey Bullock. It's really Bruce Wayne in disguise, Batman mm-hmm. in disguise. And so this ma- Bruce Wayne was the mayor of Gotham City. And they're wondering what in the world's going on here. And Batman hypothesizes that there's cardiac blood taken from this Bruce Wayne, like all the other Bruce Waynes. Mm-hmm. He thinks that the Batman who laughs is using the cardiac blood because it's the body's most resilient blood to create mm-hmm. something like a serum. Mm-hmm. Doesn't know what, but that's what he thinks. A serum for something. We don't yeah. know. And during the scene, you know, like a, a uniform cop comes over and he's like, hey, Harvey, the pool that we have about, you know, how Batman's going to get killed is, you know, yeah. it's like he's getting killed by the, by, you know, the Batman who laughs or the Grim Knight or whatever, you know, and, you know, Batman kind of, his eyes start to glow red and he loses snaps on the guy yeah. <laughs> and then gets this together and Commissioner Garden's like, oh, come on, Harvey, come with yeah. me. He's like, dude, are you okay? And he's like, I'm just, Batman's like, I'm just trying to, trying to keep it together. And it's, it's hard. The serum only works but so well, but hey, uh, I think we're on to something. So they cut to Wayne Tower where the two of them are looking at an old map of Gotham and Batman reveals how Gotham back in the day, after the big plague, the Black Plague struck and wiped out a third of the city, they created a uh, special defense for any other disease if there ever an outbreak that's called a last laugh system under the ground. And it had a way of like releasing vac- uh, vaccine into the city and then mm-hmm. evacuating people um, from the city and having like water and food and whatever. whatever. It's just a yeah, it was a the last defense. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he goes and. I started my own, after the last Joker attack, I created my own last laugh system, and it's basically a way of uh, sealing off the entire city from any chemical or biological attack, and then purifying the air, and purifying the water, and restoring all their health independently. Ta-da! And the central hub is at the very top of Wayne Tower. Well, we cut to the very top of Wayne Tower, we see a blind guard there, blind security guard, and it's the Batman who laughs that appears. He's blind, he thinks it's just Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And of course... Batman who laughs, his fingerprint scanner works to open the door because he's Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And the blind guard's like, you know, I just want to thank you, Bruce, you know, Mr. Wayne, for giving me a job and my new, pa- new pacemaker and mm-hmm. all that. And the Batman who laughs is like, yeah, look, you know, you're a hero. You're a public servant who got hurt and attacked by the scarecrow. You know, you deserve it. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, this maniacal character who's been killing everybody doesn't kill him. Doesn't kill him. Yeah. Which I thought was super interesting mm-hmm. it made his character that much more interesting i yep. really like that touch mm-hmm. i'm glad that that I, that was that was neat that was a neat twist in the character that mm-hmm. made him a little more compelling because to be honest with you steven the batman who laughs is not a character i've even, even remotely been interested in <laughs> I, i'm not saying it's a bad character i'm sure. just saying sometimes a character's a miss with you yeah, even sure. a good character can be a miss with you right mm-hmm. i just this character has been a total miss with me i just mm-hmm. I think a lot, a big part of it is that I've never thought the Joker was a particularly good character. I know that's sure. heresy to say. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I understand it. I'm not saying he's a bad character. I'm just saying, just Hello, saying. My name is Rock and I'm that guy. Right. It's just, it's just a character that, I don't, I don't hate the character. It's just the character sure. I'm like, I don't really see why this character ever became popular. 
that's all. That, that, that's it. I mean, <laughs> that does happen sometimes, right? It does happen, yeah. Um, it, it again, does. I don't hate the character. I'm just saying it's just never one that, <laughs> that I was like, wow, he's so amazing. I was just like, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, anyhow, Batman laughs, enters the room. There are all these guards in there. He kills them all. And then the Batman crashes through the window, and they start fighting. This is one of the best fights ever, Stephen, because the Batman starts talking about how, like, Batman laughs is faster than me, mm-hmm. but I'm stronger. Yeah. So I have adapted my style. I've put together five different styles of fighting to accentuate my strength. Mm-hmm. And then he notes that the Batman who laughs has countered by combining six different styles of fighting yeah. <laughs> to accentuate his strength, which is speed. Yeah. And then Batman goes, but I've been training on a brand new form of fighting that Batman who laughs has never seen, so he can't counter it. And it's mm-hmm. called, uh, is a style of fighting that, that, Alfred is called Bam Pow, which is brilliant little, <laughs> a brilliant little nod to the 1960s mm-hmm. uh, Adam West Batman series, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> I just thought it was, br- I loved it because I love psychology and fights. Mm-hmm. I love when characters train and come up with different fighting styles. I love when uh, writers talk about the different fighting styles of characters, different assets, different qualities, different strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. in the characters, and how they take advantage of them or try or, or, or try to counteract. Yeah. Um, I love that kind of psychology in a fight. I love when characters train and level up. That's why I've always mm-hmm. loved manga and anime. Yeah. I've always, I mean, like I said, <laughs> earlier podcasts, I love Dragon Ball Z. I mean, it's just, I, I love when characters grow and level up and learn different forms. So you've got right. a new style of fighting with Bam Pals. I, I just love that kind of psychology when it comes to fighting and training and getting better and, mm-hmm. I just think it's fascinating. I mm-hmm. love it, love it. And I think Snyder does a great job in this scene with all that. Mm-hmm. And then, so the band pal takes down the Batman who laughs, but then suddenly the grim Batman, mm-hmm. who's across the street, sniper sh- shot, sniper shoots Batman in the shoulder, and it's a little taser bullet. And so then anytime Batman tries to move, he gets tased. If he tries to talk, it messes with his vocal cords, so mm-hmm. he can't override the command on the Wayne Tower mm-hmm. computer. And then the Batman who laughs, boo, does his little thing, Sets the self-destruct, heads out. Yep. And then the Batman gets up finally, grabs the blind security guard, and they dive out right before the Wayne Tower explodes, and literally the whole thing blows up, Stephen. Yeah. Wow. And then we cut back to the Batcave, and Batman's like, wake up the Joker now. And the Joker wakes up, and Batman's like, what's his plan? Batman the last plan. Joker's like, I don't know his plan. And only one person does. Batman's like, who is it? Who is it? And then we cut to Jim Gordon visiting some guy stocking shelves at a grocery store. And guess who it is? Guy's baseball cap over his face. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, you're not supposed to be here. And Jim Gordon's like, look, I know I'm not supposed to be here. It's something important. Look, you're my son. You're the only one who can help us stop him. And it's James Gordon Jr. Yep. from Scott Snyder's 2011 Black Mirror, Batman Black Mirror story arc, yep. right? There was on Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. And it was the final story arc on Detective Comics before the New 52 reboot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, we've seen James Gordon Jr. in the New 52. Yes. But Four. this clearly brings, once again, mm-hmm. we're bringing pre-New 52 continuity mm-hmm. back into the DCU. Yeah. Because this clearly picks up right where that story left that off. story arc left yeah. off. Which I like anything that brings more pre New Fifty Two <laughs> continuity back in. That's yeah. a good thing. He's a cool character. That was a hell of a talk about Swerve Stephen mm-hmm. with Return of Wolverine. Yeah, that was a Swerve <laughs> Stephen. I did not see coming. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. 
that was such a cool. I was like, what? Yep. People that don't know, James Gordon Jr. is a serial killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I dig the idea of bringing him into the mix. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fantastic wrinkle to the story. Yep. I just, wow. Just great. Um, what did you think of the Batman Who Laughs number two? Um, I mean, I never had the uh, the hangout with the Batman Who Laughs character. I've, I I mean, I, lo- I, I like the Joker as a villain. I like him as a mirror to Batman. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Um, Snyder, and this is something I always, I've always loved about him. He kind of, he kept up the tradition that Morrison started, where yes. the Joker is more like, like he's not a moron, right? That he is, he could be as smart as Batman, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the idea of having a character written by Scott Snyder who mm-hmm. is both of them in one. Yep, like that's like, a, oh wow, that's that's a scary, <laughs> that's a scary idea. Bingo. And um, so. What I really like is that even though it's his miniseries, he's not in it that much. Yep. He shows up to do his thing. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, ramble and then Batman and then is the go. main focus. Yeah, definitely. And I really just find this to be very a compelling story because <laughs> totally agree. you have a ticking clock with the Batman turning into the Joker pretty mm-hmm. much. He's been mm-hmm. um hit with the serum. Uh, which was a great swerve in the last issue, mm-hmm. I thought. Yes. Um, and then you have whatever plan the Batman Who Laughs is planning, which involves, um, which is great. They set up the entire defense system yeah. against some kind of thing, and then the Batman Who Laughs comes in and just destroys the entire thing. Yes. All in the same issue. Yes. It's pretty great. It's fantastic. Um, and and then, of course, the swerve at the end with James, because I love that Black Mirror story yep, arc. That's probably stuff. the best story with Dick Grayson as Batman that Agreed. was ever written mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um i'm very fascinated to see what they do i'm glad that it's the guy who created the character who's uh, continuing the character. agreed yes um which you know very rarely does it work with somebody taking you know somebody else's yes. specifically created character like that i love mm-hmm. that but um and um i i like the artwork i like jock's artwork i know you're not a big fan of his but no, um but, but I, I, I think fully it, recognize yeah. again. I fully <laughs> recognize that the man is very talented, and he's clearly a good artist. Not at yeah. all. I think sometimes when you say, you know, it's like I don't like Picasso. I'm not saying Picasso is shit. I mean, sure. it, 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 he's, no doubt he is talented. Never <laughs> not said that. He's absolutely talented. Yeah. Just his style is not what I sure. prefer to look at. That's all. But yeah, wonderfully talented. And, and and actually a, a, a nice match for the for the tone of uh, for the uh, mood of the story. Mm-hmm. You give a lot of caveats. I know, right? <laughs> well, you feel like sometimes when you know, you, you say some people just don't, they don't hear the yeah. rationale, the explanation. They just hear you don't like so and so. Well, you think they eat babies? Like I didn't say that. <laughs> you think they're a hack? I, I didn't say that either. It's like people don't you know people think you know they yeah tune out stuff when you. Yeah, that's right. Dare say you don't love whatever they love. Oh, hey, hey, yes. I, I get that all the time. Yes. So don't worry. <laughs> um, oh, pitchforks. Um. Yeah! <laughs> Already outside the bunker. <laughs> Damn, that was fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so I am I really liked it. I, I mean, Scott Snyder, of course, is a great writer. He is. And, um, God, guy's just on fire right now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. God, he is. <laughs> and what amazes me, Stephen, is he's the, uh, this is what shows you how talented he is. This is this is the mark of a truly, truly talented writer. Yeah. He is cranking out just fantastic, super fun, mm-hmm. silver age themed, mainstream superhero stories mm-hmm. whose only purpose is to entertain you and to be <laughs> just a blast, right? Yeah. 
He's doing that on Justice League mm -hmm. and all the Justice League titles, right? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he can roll out a very dark, mm -hmm. serious, cerebral, complex story mm -hmm. and do it just as well. Mm -hmm. That's the mark of a good writer, mm -hmm. that he can do both amazingly well. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Most writers can't do just one of the two <laughs> very well, let, let, let alone <laughs> both styles. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's really a testament to Snyder's writing talent, though. That's really good. That's harder than it. That's harder than it seems to write two totally different styles of genre stories like that. Oh that's yeah, difficult. He does them both so damn well. Yes, and it, <laughs> and it's. It's kind of boggles the mind that somebody could be so talented. It's like, all right, we get it. You're talented yeah, already. You're amazing. <laughs> and this and this story is beautiful. It is beautifully written. Yeah, it is. The plotting is beautiful. You can tell that he has meticulously crafted all the plot lines mm -hmm. down to the very smallest detail. Yep. The story is rich. It is complex. It is immersive. Mm -hmm. It is engrossing. The pacing is perfect. He knows when to stomp on the gas. He knows when to ease off it. It is excellent. He knows how to build tension as you proceed toward the crescendo at the end. Mm -hmm. He knows how to drop an awesome hook ending. He just it, it is brilliantly crafted from a technical standpoint as well as from just an entertainment standpoint. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is phenomenal. I thought that, that he nails the tone of all the characters from uh, Batman's barely keeping it together tone mm -hmm. to... James Gordon Jr.'s emotionally detached tone. Yep. And the mood of the story itself is fantastic. The mood of, of impending, unstoppable doom. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Batman is rocketing toward it. Oh, yeah. Just brilliant writing. Just brilliant writing. And I had super low expectations for this title. Mm -hmm. And as someone who could care less about the Batman Who Laughs... Yeah. The first issue was phenomenal. The second issue, even better. This is a phenomenal story. I don't care if you don't like the Batman Who Laughs or not. Yeah. I don't care if you didn't even read Dark Knight Metal. Metal. Yeah. It doesn't matter no. at all. Read this. Read this. This is yeah. a phenomenal standalone Batman story that does tie into the overall multiverse story that mm -hmm. we're dealing with over in Justice League and all the Justice League titles. Yeah, because there's still the, the Bruce Waynes. That that's right. It's like, where are they coming from? It's But it, it, <laughs> and as it blows my mind, he, the Snyder can still deal with the, the main overall mainstream superhero, fun, entertainment, mm -hmm. Silver Age, multiple story, but do it in this diametrically yeah. different <laughs> storytelling. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. And um, it just... it. It, it kind of it kind of killed me a bit when they had their um I mean they had their fight the fight is awesome it's yes. it's fairly short but it is. the psychology is really good yeah and um just after he gets taken down by the the grim knight the the Batman who laughs it's like look dude like I've seen so many Batman in all the worlds and and you are definitely the worst one yes <laughs> yes I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. You are dumb. What does he call him? He is the, you're the nightmare Batman. Yeah. You're the nightmare Batman because you're a bad joke. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? And, and again, and again, Snyder, he, he does 
what is so beautiful about his writing is he he handles themes and imagery better than almost any comic writer on the market. Yeah. And that's because Snyder has his roots in the, as a fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Fiction writers, I think, in general, not always, but in general, I think fiction writers handle themes and imagery more than comic book writers because comic book writers have an artist. Yeah, that's true. They don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Fiction writers, you want theming and imagery, it's all up to you. Yeah. So I think that fiction writers do a much better job with it. And I think the yeah. whole theme of the heart mm-hmm. that runs yeah. throughout the story, right? Mm-hmm. Where that's that's the cardiac blood that the Batman last is drawing mm-hmm. from all the dead Bruce Waynes. Yeah. Uh, also seen with the heart is the part of the body that you cover. Yeah, when Snyder you're talks about that. Mm-hmm. When you're scared or surprised, you cover the heart. That when uh, Bruce Wayne's parents got killed, uh, what Bruce Wayne's dad, what he did was to put his hand over his son's heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the theme of heart, and it's brought to the very end when the Batman laughs when he's the Batman's been taken down. He's like, "You're just, you know, he's calling him the Nightmare Batman because he's a bad joke, mm-hmm. and he's the least accomplished." He's like, "You're just an old man's heart over a child's." A whole man, old man's hand over a child's heart, weak, mm. soft, protecting nothing. Yeah, that's a great way to build off a a, a theme that you had in the first two pages. Because mm-hmm. he talked about it in the first two pages of the issue, and then near the very end, he brings he ties it back in at the very end. Yeah, that kind of theme work, that kind of imagery and theme work, mm-hmm. where you can pull something from the very beginning and it weaves naturally into the story in the end. That's damn good writing. Oh yeah, and that's usually what you don't see in comics a lot. Yep. So and it and it build and I think it builds the character too because. You know, they, I mean, they've established that he is also Bruce Wayne, so that probably also happened to him right. in his universe. So it's just more an extra, like, little, little twist and screw into Batman. <laughs> and I like how, I like how, um, even though the Batman who laughs is the main villain mm-hmm. and the one who gets all the attention, the Batman who laughs points out that the Grim Knight mm-hmm. is actually the deadliest of all the Batman. Yep. Which I think is interesting because everyone always thinks the Batman laughs would be the most deadly. Sure. One. No, it's actually the Grim Knight who's the most <laughs> deadly. I like how he describes him. He's the deadliest man alive. He's us if Joe Chill dropped the gun in that alley and we picked it up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just like, yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Anyhow, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you grade out the Batman who laughs number two? Um, I would give the writing. I I love the story. I love the mm-hmm. what, what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited! I think six issues. Yes, six issues. Gonna love them all. I'm excited. Um, so I will give I'll give the writing a nine, and I'll give the art. Um, I like Jock Sarkwart, so I will give it an eight. Yeah, fair enough. I will go. I'm right there with you. The writing. I'll go nine Night Girls out of ten for the writing. For the art, I will go six Night Girls out of ten. There you go. Okay. All right, my friend. Next up, Superman number seven. Mm-hmm. This issue brought to us the words by Brian Bendis. The art is a bit by committee. You've got Yvonne Reese, mm-hmm. Brandon Peterson, and Jason Fabak. But if you're going to do artwork by committee, there's some damn good artists yeah. to use, my friend. Absolutely. Um, inks by Auclair Albert and colors by Alex Sinclair. All right, so in this one, basically, we begin with Superman being reunited with John, mm-hmm. and he's like, what? John, as we know, they're, they're hugging, you know, and John is 17, and yeah. what we know is it's not a result of a sudden transformation. It's yeah. not time travel. Literally, John, they got lost in a black hole. Jor-El and John got lost in a black hole, and it took John seven years to get from the black hole back to Earth. Mm-hmm. So he literally aged. He lived a full seven years, even though in our time, in Superman's time, it's only been three, three weeks. weeks. Yep. 
I like that it's not time travel. I like it's not some sudden transformation. Mm-hmm. I like that he actually was in a black hole and had to live seven years to get back yeah. home. And it also explains why he still talks like he did when he was a kid. Right. Because mm-hmm. he still is a kid. He's, mm-hmm. just, he's, he's older now. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And so then Superman, we cut to Lois Lane's apartment. Mm-hmm. Superman shows up outside of her door. I love this. She's working away, <laughs> and she's like in a in a night uh, like a, uh, a robe. Yeah, and she's working away. And so Superman <laughs> appears. She's like, "Oh, good afternoon, Mister Kent. Is it?" And she like <laughs> opens up her uh, her robe to show her cleavage and her lacy bra. Yeah, that was such a cute moment. And then you see John appear behind Superman, and Superman quickly like whoop covers up John's eyes. He covers up John's eyes, and Lois is like whoop covers up her. <laughs> Her bra, and I just I take a minute. I, I I love that moment because it's so it's so good. Look, I love it's so real world. Like I like it yeah. when married couple a married couple is still written cute and adorable and fun mm-hmm. instead of just being like haggard and angry with each other and fighting and always yeah. you know because that's what you always see with married couples like me 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 always like you know yeah. snapping at each other and <laughs> you know it's great to see that there's still the the sexy fun time aspect mm-hmm. of, you know what i mean it's cute it's cute it's what you would expect between a really healthy marriage yes. right just cute that's mm-hmm. nice. I'm sure some people would be very horribly offended that Lois did this. Yeah, that's probably, oh my that's God. I didn't see any articles about oh that. Oh my God, a woman flirting with her husband. How dare they not just be covered up all the time and have puritanical missionary sex <laughs> with the lights off only. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, A lot of pearls were clutched that day. <laughs> Seriously. It was such a cute moment between a married couple. And then the son... Like, that was just so perfect. So totally what a dad would do. I just I thought yeah. that was great. And, and by the way, earlier in the issue, you've got Superman hugging John. That's how they opened the issue, right? Yeah. And he's like, John's like, Dad? And Superman's like, nope, still, still hugging. hugging. <laughs> like, as a dad, I can tell you, I get, I've been there. I get that. Yet yeah, that is, yes, that, that is a dad response. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen your kid in a long time. Yeah. And for, and for dads, you know, when your kid's young, it could be like a week. Yeah, you know, kids come back from camp, and I've, I act like they've been gone to the war for like a year or something. You know what I mean? You're like hugging them, and you can't, you, you know, you just or something happens to them. Right. You, it just that is that is such a genuine, a genuine father reaction. And by the way, that's a genuine son reaction too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dad, you're still hugging me. I've heard yeah. that from my boys. You know, <laughs> but that was such a such a great moment. And I think I know I'm going out of order. And I'm reviewing it before we're done talking about it, but. Yeah. You know, I've, I, I look. The revolution has been around since 2006. If you want to read someone criticizing Brian Bendis's writing, uh, you can. I got plenty of articles yeah, on his yeah. on his various comics doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and and often his character work sucks because it's just Brian Bendis as Luke Cage, Brian Bendis as yeah. Iron Man, Brian Bendis as Captain America. Yeah. You know, and it's nothing but Bendis speak, and mm-hmm. the character work sucks, and the dialogue sucks. Yeah, because. All the characters have the exact same external voice, mm-hmm. identical. Yeah. And when he first, when it was announced that he was going to get Superman, Ben is going to be on Superman. I was like, "That's the weirdest." Wait, what? Yeah. Put him on a street level title yeah. or a teenage title, but why would you put him on S- Superman? I got to tell you, seven issues in, and I will openly admit my fears were unfounded. I was wrong. Look. I'll, I'll criticize someone when I think they make a mistake. I'll praise them when I think they're doing a good yeah. job. I think Bendis has been really good. The character work has been excellent on Superman. I love how he writes Lois. I love how he writes John. I love how he writes uh, Superman. They act like a real family. Superman and Lois 
act like a real married couple. They act like real parents to their son. Their son acts like a real son. Yeah. The chemistry between the three characters is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The dialogue is... Lois has her own external voice. Yeah. Superman has his own unique external voice. Mm-hmm. So does John. And they sound like real parents. Yeah. They sound like real parents. They sound like real married couple. It is genuine. And it's little moments. It's little moments like her showing her brother and covering up. Mm-hmm. Little moments of, no, still hugging. Yeah. Little moments. Little throwaway moments, subtle, small moments throughout this issue. Those are just two examples, but they're throughout the entire issue that make it feel so real. It makes it feel so genuine. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite of those was when, like when she sees him and she literally starts to ask almost the exact same questions. The Superman's like, yeah, we've covered that. (laughs) Right. It's just great. And so, and then John explains what happened and that they, they went with Jor-El on a ship and, uh, to help Lois deal with the rigors of space travel, she got her own like Superman-style outfit with mm-hmm. the House of L crust yeah. on it. And as they're leaving Earth and jetting through space, they come across some Dominators. And so John and Jor-El... Dominators are really having a moment. They are. <laughs> uh, John and Jor-El uh, fly out of the vessel and kick some butt and take down the Dominators. And then they head back into the vessel and they decide they're going to go stop somewhere for some food. Mm-hmm. And they go to some alien planet and... Everyone's staring at Lois because she's wearing the House of El Crest. Mm-hmm. So she's like royalty. And she's the wife of I'm the Superman. Superman of Earth. Yep. So she's like royalty wherever she goes. And then we see John trying to order some crazy food. And out of nowhere comes Lobo. And he's like, I know you. I know you. Yeah. And uh, you're little Superman. And John's like, a super boy. And <laughs> Lobo's like, huh? And he's like, super, you can call me super boy. And Lobo's like, uh-huh. And he's like, Guess no one ever told you uh, yet. And he's like, John's like, what's that? And he goes, you're a man when you decide to be. Ain't no one handing out certificates or nothing. Decide to. Mm. And then he stands up <laughs> and goes, cheers to the house of L. <laughs> Say hi to your pops for me. And he walks out. <laughs> and I thought that was a great use of Lobo. <laughs> because what's interesting is, because John's, you know, with Jor-El to become a man. Mm-hmm. That, that's all, the whole thing is he was to go with his grandfather to learn yeah. about Krypton and being Kryptonian and becoming a man, right? Mm-hmm. Right, a passage kind of journey, yeah. right? And in the beginning of the issue, we see him come back as a 17-year-old, no longer a 10-year-old. Yeah. Grown up, right? Mm-hmm. Almost an adult, one year away from being an adult. Yeah. And I guess it's like this scene is perfect because it shows that, you know, he... Uh, it, it reinforces that it's a journey that John has to take, mm-hmm. that he has to take this journey to become a man. Yeah. You know, it's not something you don't just hit 18 and I'm yeah, a man. Yeah. You know, it, that doesn't work that way. Yeah. You only become a man when you yourself, you yourself decide you're going to be a man and you go through that rite of passage, that growth on your own. Mm-hmm. That was Really well done handling yeah. the theme of becoming a man. I thought and, and reinforcing that's something that the individual does. Mm-hmm. You got to do it yourself. No one will ever, no one will ever make you a man. Only you can. Yep. And I really like because it plays well with his journey with Jor-El mm-hmm. and his seven-year journey back home, being seventeen. It's I just it's really nicely done. Yeah. Good use of Lobo. Mm-hmm. And and it's it and Lobo catches a lot of crap because he's a parody character at heart. Yeah. That's what he was originally designed to be. Parody of nineties superhero comics but yeah. but he's the right kind of character to deliver that kind of message yeah 
And he delivers it in the most WWE way possible. Yes! <laughs> Which made it perfect, right? <laughs> made it perfect. I just love it. <laughs> really, again, I give credit to Bendis. Just really well done. Yeah. Just well done. Anyhow, then... And he doesn't overstay his welcome. And that's what I really... Important. Appre- I really appreciated that. I... I Kudos to Bendis. He realized yeah. a little bit of Lobo goes a long way. Because mm-hmm. if that was about a page longer, it would not have been as good. Yes. So it was really well Shows done. Shows a lot of restraint from someone who used to not know restraint. Yeah. I, very impressed. Very impressed by Bendis on that. Mm-hmm. Restraint is good. Yes. Um, so then the locals, they're asking Lois for all this help because, you know, Superman's wife. Mm-hmm. And one of the people says, you know, uh, save my... save. Uh, Save my people on Daxam because the Kuns are on Daxam and they're putting them all in slavery. Mm-hmm. And so then we cut to Jorel and John and Daxam. Mm-hmm. And Jorel's like, go, do it yourself. And so mm-hmm. John by himself takes down all the Kuns, mm-hmm. frees the Daxamites. And Lois is like, that's the point in this trip where I realized I wasn't needed. Yeah. Because remember, Lois, Lois, Lois <laughs> returned home just a few issues ago. Yeah. So she goes back home. And it's just Joel and John, and then we come back to the three of them, the family, hanging out, talking. Mm-hmm. And John's like, "Yeah, mom, after you left, that's when I first realized it." And they're like, "Realized what?" And he's like, "Well, that's what I've been trying to tell you since I got back home. Grandpa's completely insane, <laughs> <laughs> and we have to do something about it." Yeah. And then he goes, "Sorry, Pa," because <laughs> <laughs> Superman and Lois are like, "What?" And that's the end of the issue. <laughs> Great ending. And again, that's another little moment of like, sorry, Paul. Sorry. Like, yeah, you know, like you tell your dad your grandpa's crazy. <laughs> sorry, dad. You know, like, it's just really well done. That's the end of the issue. Uh, Superman number seven. I kind of broke yeah. through the review and gave you my mm. reaction to most of it. But what did you think of Superman seven? Um, I had actually come into this one a little late. This is like one of the last ones I read that we were right. doing for this week. Um, and I had heard so much about, oh my God, Bendis, he took John, he aged him, it's so stupid, why did he do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of our, our mutual friends um, who loved Bendis yeah. back in the day. Yes. And he's he hasn't been all right on this, on this Superman stuff, and I always tease him because, like, well... I'm sorry that this isn't the majesty of Bendis's Iron Man. <laughs> oh God! Oh Lord! Oh <laughs> just, dear! Just to tease him, you know. Oh dear! But um, so I I was like, okay, well, let's. I I didn't want John to be an adult. You know, I wanted him to stay a kid, especially now that Connor Kenton is back. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, there's the teenager. So right, what are we gonna do with that? Mm-hmm. But um, I gotta say, I really liked what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, it makes sense in the overall like story. Like he left to become a man and mm-hmm. now he's come back. I like the explanation as to why it took, why he's older. Yep. Um, I still think it's going to be reversed somehow, but mm-hmm. you know, for, for it as it, as it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like you said, I really like the moments where they're all together. I think that. It's it's it, I mean you said it all really perfectly. It feels so real, yep. and that's part of what made uh, Tomasi and Gleason's run so yep. great is that you know it felt like a real family. Mm-hmm. And um, and another thing that's always been a stickler point with Bendis is that he always he he likes to ignore the continuity that doesn't mm-hmm. suit him sometimes. Oh, absolutely. But I really like how they carried it through with um, that they didn't ignore what happened when Jarrell came back. Like yes. he was, he was a pawn of. They assume it's Doctor Manhattan, mm-hmm. 
and that he was used to to go against Superman and to try to like turn him away from humanity or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I like that he still is not a good guy. Yes, at least from what we're seeing, he's agreed. Very, he's kind of cold and distant when Lois and John are with him, mm-hmm. and. I'm I'm interested to see where that goes because he is also connected to um uh, the uh Fraggle Rock. Yes. <laughs> yes. We don't know how. Mm-hmm. But and all of a sudden I'm interested to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Because that's at the end of the last issue she's like, "Okay, I need to go find my dad because he knows something about this guy mm-hmm. and I got to find him." Yep. And it's 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 all just I cannot believe I'm excited to read a Bendis comic. I know. It's I know. It's, it's crazy. It's a great feeling. I know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I liked all the uh little Legion <laughs> uh elements that appear in the story. Dominators, classic yeah. Legion villain. Yep. The Cons, another classic yep. Legion villain, and Daxamites, duh, Mono. Duh, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Um so that's cool. And by the way, I think we even see guy looks like an ambush bug. He does. In one of the scenes. Yeah. yeah, when they're on the alien planet ordering Little food. Green guy with goggles. Yeah, it looks like ambush bug. Yeah. But anyhow, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm with you. It's just it's just it's it's fun. It's fun. Bendis is creating a story that's emphasis on fun entertainment like a, like everything else with the rebirth DCU. Mm-hmm. The focus of these stories is on fun and entertainment. It's classic, straight up silver age theme, modern sensibility, uh uh superhero story. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it, love it. It's not totally deep. Got mm-hmm. it. It's not It's not terribly deep. If you're looking for something super cerebral and complex, you're not going to get it here. Yeah. If you're looking yeah. for straightforward, classic superhero fun, action, and adventure, mm-hmm. this is what you're going to get. Yeah. Good stuff. If that's what you're looking for, you got it here. No doubt about it. Definitely. Um, and the art is fantastic. All of these three artists are wonderful. Yeah. They're yeah. wonderful. The art is beautiful. <laughs> this is beautiful. Uh, mainstream superhero artwork. This is what I like to see when I crack open a a DC or Marvel comic book. I want beautiful, good-looking, clean, glossy, slick, dynamic art. Mm-hmm. And this has it. Oh yeah, and uh, like because you're on the the page like where she sees it's him. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just like all that like <gasps> mm-hmm. great like, facial expressions. Yeah, it's, it's really really well done. Yes, really definitely. well done artwork. And art by committee usually kind of falters, but when it's three great artists, it's like yep, nothing to complain about. <laughs> Absolutely, I totally agree with you. Uh, how would you grade out Superman Seven? Um, I I always feel like I'm grading this on a curve because I'm just so surprised at how much I like it. I know but I really, really do like it. Yep. I am gonna give it. I'm gonna give it straight eights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell gonna... all the haters where they can stick it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I'm gonna go. I'm with you. I'm going to go eight necros out of ten for the writing, eight necros out of ten for the art as well. And I'm not too sure why. I mean, normally I can kind of figure out why a title's getting hate. Yeah. Not too sure why this one's getting so much hate. I don't either. I'm not. I mean, I could actually. I'm self-aware enough to know why <laughs> a title I like isn't getting love from other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, 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 it's kind of my I job. Mean, we, to, we understood why Final Crisis wasn't getting much love. I told. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm usually really good about figuring out why a certain title. <laughs> People don't like it, and this one, I, I, I really don't. I think he's it just doing no a good sense. job. Yeah, yeah. All right, my friend. Last title. Yes. Titans <laughs> number thirty-three. <laughs> yes. Uh, brought to us words. Dan Abnett, 
art by Bruno Redondo, colors by Hi-Fi. And basically, they're inside uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Pretty much. That's what it is. It's a yeah. fictional writer who has created a world just like Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And the writer is now inside that world that came to life. Mm-hmm. And he's inside that world. Very and, self-aware world, too. I was and, and they know he's the writer. All the characters know he's the writer. Yeah. They created them all. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, you're great. And so his name is Ernest. And, and so... <laughs> yeah. Of course. And, of course. And so our, our heroes, the Titans, they're, they're, they're using... Back on Titans HQ, you've got... What's his name? Uh, ben, mm-hmm. he's reading. He's he's reading the the, the novels. The novels. They also run. <laughs> uh, Unearth is is the name of his mm-hmm. his uh, fictitious world, and he's reading the novels to give him a heads up on the different characters, their weaknesses, mm-hmm. where they're located, where to go, where to travel, how to attack them, how to counter it. You know, all that kind of fun <laughs> stuff, right? And so our heroes are making their way through the bad guys and. Um, they beat the bad guys, and they're very happy that they have a Green Lantern on the team. What I find interesting is Donna Troy makes a, a point of saying, with big guns like you, Kyle, and Miss M around, we're finally punching above, you know, the Titans are finally punching above their weight class. And I'm thinking to myself, you're Donna Troy. Donna Troy, <laughs> you have the powers of Wonder Woman. Like, yeah. you are as uh, much of a heavy hitter as anyone else possibly could mm-hmm. be. Yeah. Like, really? That's the wrong character to be saying that. You but anyhow, that, yeah, and then Steel's like, hey, I'm a big gun. <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyhow, so they, they're they trying to find, the whole point of the, this story is they're, they're in this world trying to find, this is where Raven's soul self, self yeah, Which is. has been missing since the beginning of this uh, uh, new that, run. That's yeah. right. I'm so glad for that storyline to be over because it's not been that good and it's not been that compelling. Nah, and not really. <laughs> uh, she just needs it back already. And we find that the leader in this unearth is like this elven king, mm-hmm. Lord Travesty. Oh, I wonder right? if he's evil. Uh, right, right. <laughs> Maybe, possibly. And he's hooking up with the the blood cult and mm-hmm. mother blood to yeah. deal with the titans and to uh, keep the self-soul of Raven. Mm-hmm. Right? And we see that they have the self the self-soul of Raven all chained up and captured. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. <laughs> and our heroes are marching their way through, you know, Mordor, trying trying to find Mordor. They even make a reference about Mordor, too. Yeah. I believe. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> on their way through, you know, the big tree creatures in Lord of the Rings, well, they meet the big tree creatures in Unearth. Yeah. And they're like, ah, we're going to kill you if you don't answer our riddles. <laughs> and Green Lantern, uh, Kyle Rayner, tr- creates a big giant axe and he goes, I'll turn you into matchsticks. Want to see it in action? And they're all like, hell no. Mind how you go. Sorry to bother you, dude. I'm going to make like a tree and leave, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And, it's and so the, stupid, but I it's know. awesome. <laughs> and Donna's like smooth, and Kyle's like, "Yeah, I was really talking their language." Uh, okay, and then changeling, changeling's like, "Kyle sure develop, developing bad hobbits." Oh uh, no! Too anyhow, far. <laughs> um, anyhow, so they all go. I think at one point, doesn't someone say one does not simply walk into Modor or something like that? Yeah. I think they do. Anyhow, so. They arrive at the castle of the Elfin King, and the big army is there to, of creatures is there to meet them, and they rush into battle, and they start kicking butt, and they're kicking butt, and kicking butt, and mm-hmm. kicking more butt, and then, oh snap, the right-hand, the right-hand person. man, person, woman, 
yeah. of the king, the elven king, mm-hmm. who is a brand new character. Is the only character that this Ernest writer didn't create. Yep. So she's that's that's interesting, right? Yeah. Well, during the battle, her helmet gets knocked off, and guess who it is? It's Raven. Yep. Oh snap! Mm-hmm. What is going on? Anyhow, that's the end of the issue. Mm-hmm. Steven, Titans number three. What do you think? Well, um, I think, I think Dan Abnett. You know, he's he's kind of been getting a bad rap because he's, he's well, not a bad rap per se, but he's kind of be, he's kind of been kind of pushed to the side a little bit in terms of wow, look at all these like great, amazing like writers and what they're doing. I think he's done really, really well with the titles that he's had, mm-hmm. um, and I think Titans has been consistently at least a fun read. You yeah. know, if not like a great like mind blowing whatever. I think it's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it's you know, at some points it's been emotional, like with what happened in Nightwing and all yes. that. I thought that was really good. Um I like um I like the concepts that they've been dealing with because mm-hmm. they're they're the ones that are dealing with the direct fallout of metal with the source wall breaking and all that. And this weird planet created by a guy who imagined it while the source energy was around him is just so weird and wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> that it's it it just made me smile like seeing how like seeing how it all how it all worked. Like the mm-hmm. how they all like they just love this schlubby looking guy. It's like, oh the writer, you're our maker. I know. It's like, wow. Hilarious, <laughs> it's isn't it? Funny. And um how self aware like just the world itself seems to yeah. be. It's cool. And um I like how the um I kind of like how the the Titans interact now, especially now that they have like they have a new guy, mm-hmm. um, Kyle Rayner, yep. the, the perennially the new guy, perennially the new guy. <laughs> that's and poor Crabface's role in life. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I like that. I like the I like the power that he brings to the team because yep. for a while it was kind of like, like well, I mean they're I they mean, needed yeah a they more. needed so they needed they a did. boost and. Um, and I agree with you that the the soul self with Raven is kind of it's just kind of been in the background like yeah. forever. For it's like, all right, too well, long. Let's, let's, let's see long. what we do because like she brings it up all the time. Yeah. It's like, right. and it really cripples how much you can do with her character too because she has no yeah. personality without it. So it's exactly. Like, eh, okay. And um, so I'm glad we're dealing with that. And I also liked the swerve at the mm-hmm. end. I mm-hmm. was okay. That's. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe if I went back and really read it again, I probably could have predicted like wow who else could it have been right but i still like that they went that way it's an interesting because there's obviously another soul raven Mm -hmm. because they they had the scene with the two of them they're two different people yep so i don't know how that works i'm Mm -hmm. i'm intrigued to find out and i just i always have a blast reading this title so i'm i'm glad that I'm continuing to have a blast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's I. Uh, I don't like it quite as much as you, sure. but, but I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's been a steady title. It's it's mm-hmm. it's it's nothing. It's not reinventing the genre. No. It's it's nothing earth shattering, but it's 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 <laughs> steady as she goes. Yeah, you know, you don't get a you you may not get an issue as brilliant as Justice League out sure. of it, but you're not going to get a real stinker either. It's no. very dependable, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the biggest problem with this team is the roster. I think adding Kyle Rayner was smart. The problem is it it's it's 
it needs more dudes. It's it's four women and two guys. Mm-hmm. It, it needs more dudes to spice and things up. That's that's it's it's too out of. It, and I don't include Ben as a as a member because he's not. Yeah, he's not. Really. He's not. It's it's four women and two men. You need more guys. And what's the team? What this is really missing. You could solve everything by just adding Roy Harper, yeah. Wally West, and Dick Grayson back to this. Roster. roster, yeah. If you do that, the team is pretty balanced, mm-hmm. male and female wise, yeah. and you get the right chemistry of characters that you need. I love Donna Troy. She's not a leader. No. Never has been. It's it just doesn't fit her character. No. She's a great character, and I adore her character. Mm-hmm. Always been one of my favorite. Easily, always been one of my favorite Titans. Uh, but Dick Grayson. The team works better with Dick Grayson as the leader. It it just does. The Mm -hmm. team dynamic works so much better when he's the leader. It just does. And the addition of Roy and Wally would balance, not just balance out the team, it would also, you know, Wally brings a unique skill set, and he's also very powerful. So you get another heavy hitter and a unique skill set to the Mm -hmm. mix. Roy brings a different personality to the mix that Mm -hmm. can spice things up as well. Yeah. Um, I just think that the possibility for team interaction, team conflicts, things like that increase exponentially mm-hmm. and people find their better roles and the team becomes more complete and balanced if you added Roy, Wally, and Dick back to the team. Yeah. And I know that Roy and Wally are dead, but the, no one's dead forever. No, See Jason they're, Todd. They're okay. <laughs> See Jason Todd. Nothing is dead forever. Yeah. That's what I would do personally. I love the roster that we have. I don't get me wrong. I love Miss Martian. I love Steel. I love Donna. I love Raven. Love uh, Beast Boy. Love. Uh, don't love Kyle Rayner. But, <laughs> but 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 I love him on the team. Yeah. Uh, so I like the roster. Do not get rid of any of these characters. Mm-hmm. Just give me Wally, Roy, Dick back to the team. Mm-hmm. Make Dick the leader, and I think then you would have the potential for a kick ass mm-hmm. title. I mean, ideally, Cyborg would be on the team too, but I'm yeah. never going to get that. Obviously, DC's just giving me the middle finger. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but that that's what I would do. Yeah. And then I think you'd be perf- perfect. This issue, though, it's very solid. It's Like I said, this is dependable. It's like the Toyota Camry of superhero <laughs> titles. You know what I mean? It's never, it's, it may not ex- yeah. it, fire your wildest imagination and excite your, your heated passion. <laughs> right? But you know what it's going to do? Every time you get in it, the damn thing's going to start. Mm-hmm. It's going to run. It's going to last forever. Yeah. It's going to be comfortable. It's mm-hmm. going to be quiet. Everything's going to work. There's something to be said for being dependable. And yeah. right now, uh, I think that uh, Titans is a very dependable superhero title. Mm-hmm. And I think that Dan Abnett is, is a very dependable writer. Yeah. You know what you're going to get. And I think Titans has been a nice, dependable Superhero mainstream superhero title. Mm-hmm. It's it's it hits all the right beats. Yeah, it 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 is. It, it's it's well plotted. It's well paced. Um, it's technically strong. I wouldn't expect anything else from Dan. Um, yeah, that's true. From Dan Abnett, except a technically well written story. Mm-hmm. It's very well written. It hits all the right plot beats, and you get good action. You get good character work. It's very well balanced between dialogue heavy scenes and action heavy scenes. Mm-hmm. It flows nicely. It moves forward with a purpose. It's a good classic superhero mainstream story, Stephen. Yeah, it's 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 good, dependable stuff. Yeah. So, and the art, I'm perfectly fine with. <laughs> the art's fine. It's it's. I thought the art was a little bit better back when Dick Grayson was on the team. I can't remember the name of the artist who was doing it then. Um, yeah, but I can't remember either. I think it was a little bit better then. But 
it's still it's fine. The art yeah. the art's fine. Not a problem. Uh how'd you get out Titans number thirty three? Um I would give it um and I think because um I'm just not I'm just not all that in on the the blood cult as a villain. I've never yeah, really Yeah, that's been a miss with, with me, Steven. Yeah. Total miss with me. They're not yeah, good. I mean, even because I, I finally got uh Jeff Johns's Teen Titans run, or at least most of it. The ones because they're collecting like bulk yes. now. And um I wasn't even really a fan of that. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I liked seeing those characters together, you know, as the Titans, and that was always fun. But I liked Brother Blood back when back under Wolfman and Perez's mm-hmm. new Teen Titans. Brother Blood was a really good villain. Yeah. And since Wolfman and Perez's run, yeah, it's, it's not been very compelling at all. Yeah. And it's it, just gotten worse. Yeah. It's would, just gotten worse. I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um so but yeah, other than that, I think like you said, it's still it's still dependable. I I I do like Dan Admin as a writer. I think he's got um you know, he's got that thing that you're looking for with mm-hmm. a comic book writer, someone who can deliver yep. a fun read, you know, consistently. And I would give it, and I like the art as well. Not, um, it's it's nothing too too special, but I do like how it, you know, you know, it fits with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you know, when I when I go into like a fantasy world, like a yeah, I guess I want it to like pop a little bit more, I, but that's I agree. okay. It's, I agree. It's, it's whatever. It's it's a generic fantasy world. It is by design, right? So, right. Um, I'm so I'll give it. I'll give it straight sevens. Man, you're reading my mind, Stephen. Oh, man. you're reading my mind. I was also. I'm. I'm gonna do seven echoes out of ten for the story. Yeah. Seven echoes out of ten for the art as well. Yeah, yeah. right down the middle. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right, my friend. Uh, not a bad collection this week. No. Not uh-huh. a bad collection at all, huh? Yeah. Really, uh, other than Black Widow, yeah, that, uh, that was stinker. the only stinker of the bunch. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's. I had a. a I saw somebody talking about DC. Is like, oh, they're diddioing it up, and Ollie's fighting Black Canary, and Dick Grayson's damaged, and blah blah blah. It's like I'm. It's like back in whatever all over again. I'm like, I don't think that's. I think you're putting a few select yes. bad decisions onto the entire run, and that's just not. No, that's not what's happening. Like overall, at all. DC has been very focused on fun, yeah, positive, bright, action yeah. adventure superhero stories. Exactly, yeah, and I agree. I'm like, I don't know where y'all are getting this from, just because Bendis made John older. <laughs> oh Lord, and I'm with you. I don't think that's permanent. Nah. So I either. could be wrong, but I, I just get a feeling it's not. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll see. I think it's going to be like a, he's finally going to have a super a, a super teenager and a super boy. Yeah, I think that's because like everybody else has one, so mm-hmm. he's going to have one. I agree. Yeah, on that bombshell, my friend. Yes. Until next time. Yes. Viva la revolución.